Have you ever read the ingredients list on your jar of face cream or your tube of toothpaste and wondered what exactly triclosan, phthalate, or polyethylene glycol is doing in there and what is it doing to your body? These are not good things for humans, yet they are commonly found in many products we use every day. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. In this show, we are continuing with Made Safe, a nonprofit organization that provides certification for non toxic products, from baby to personal care to household cleaners and more. Their website shows products that have been made through a rigorous process to be certified as Made Safe. It's such an important topic that we wanted to bring you as much information as possible on it. Information that you can put to use to protect yourself, your children, and your family from toxins. Made Safe's ultimate goal is a big one, and that is to change the way products are made by eliminating the use of toxic chemicals altogether. Amy Ziff is the founder and executive director of Made Safe. I asked her about one of Made Safe's core goals, which is to educate consumers on what chemicals are in the products we use every day. I like to say that, you know, chemicals are the uninvited guests to our home and you can't always see them, smell them or taste them, but believe me, they're there. And we should be aware of what they're doing when they're in all of these things that we use because we actually spend our hard-earned dollars on these things and uh, we're, we're giving, you know, giving access to our bodies and our homes, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the things we use each and every day on a daily basis, giving these chemicals access to all of that. And then the second piece of what we do at Made Safe is actually work with companies to educate them about the kinds of ingredients they are using by using scientific data to articulate and elaborate on the chemical cost of what they're using to to put in their products. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan here with Amy Ziff, founder and executive director of Made Safe. Just how rigorous is the process companies must go through uh, in order to get the Made Safe certification? We work with just about a um, hundred companies, and uh, they are all on this incredible journey with us and they don't know when they start it whether or not they can get certified because we don't know. We have to see, we have to go through our process. And the reason why I like to state that is because um, I give so much credit to a company that's willing to say we want to do the right thing. We want to be on the right side of history and we want to put information first and let's see where that goes. Some companies are on a journey with us for a couple of years before they can get certified because they have to make changes to their formulations. That's hard. That's really hard. But these companies do it and they come through the other side and I believe they're stronger for it and they're making superior products that we know. Um, and so what happens is a company comes to us, they're interested in becoming certified or seeing if they can get certified. And the first thing they do is obviously sign an agreement and they pay us for for going through the process because it's quite in-depth and it takes hours and hours and hours um, to to go through to completion. Um, and we have to pay our team so <laughs> to do the work. So then they um, submit 
a product and all of the um, ingredients and what we call, you know, their um, paperwork for those ingredients. So those are things most consumers will never see, but that's a dossier of ingredients that lists sub-ingredients and processes, things that were done to uh, each of the products. So we start to break it down. And um, for example, if a product contains olive oil, the question is, is it olive oil? Is it 100% olive oil? Or is it part olive oil, like 95%, 3% colorant, 2% another oil or a preservative? That's different than 100% olive oil. So we want to know what all of those things are. And we put each one of those through the ecosystem challenge. Um, and we do that for every single ingredient within the product. And sometimes we require signing additional NDAs with providers of those ingredients for, um, you know, to to get to the bottom of what is in this product, what was it made of, and uh, is everything compliant. So right away, we're creating this list of what's in this product, a more thoroughly detailed list than what you see on the back of um, and from there, we're going to run it through, is anything on our band list? That was the list of 6,500 chemicals that we spoke about. If nothing is there, then we get to go to the next hurdle and say, okay, of these, which ones are we familiar with? What do we know? Do any of those pose problems or risks in the way that it's going to be used? So everything is being looked at, not just from the perspective of the ecosystem, but also the way it's used. So a product might be fine for a laundry detergent, but maybe not for toothpaste, for example, just because of the way, you know, it's used, the chemical composition might be different. Um, so we would we would want to see that. Um, and then we look at how something's going to behave for humans. Is there any toxicity related on these things that we don't know about um, for for humans? Is there, does it last a long time? Is it something we call bioaccumulative, which means does it build up in the body? We use that as a signal for toxicity because if your body can't clear something readily, then it's probably problematic at some level, even if it isn't assigned a harm like, oh, we know that's cancerous. Well, if it's, if it's still something that our body doesn't know what to do with, we, you know, we see that as a fundamental flaw. And so we look at that. Then we look at how does it behave in air, water, soil, and sediment. So we're looking at a good swath of the environment through that to see how something behaves there. If it's toxic, if it sticks around for a long time. Um, and, and then we look at same thing for aquatic life. We're looking at data and also uh, terrestrial life. And where we don't have data, because lots of things have not been evaluated this fully, um, if we don't have information on it, then we we see if we can find it. As a nonprofit, we don't have the you know capacity to do that, and you wouldn't necessarily um, need to test the whole world again if something's been tested. So we we um, add that then into our database of information on ingredients, and then we know more and get smarter with each thing that we screen so the next time we encounter it we know about it and we go on from there um going down the list of all of the inputs until we've gotten through to this is either certifiable or three things are not and here's why now you have data on it you know this surfactant is no good because it's harmful to aquatic life 
So now you're looking for a surfactant that isn't harmful to aquatic life, um, you know, or this preservative is too harsh or this ingredient um, is is on the endangered species list and shouldn't be used. What could you use instead? And if they can swap those out and make those changes, then the new formulation can be certified. But it really gives a company a roadmap for how to proceed. And some might be easy swaps and some might be longer term. Once a product has gone through that process and been certified as safe by Made Safe, what happens? Once they're certified, then we work with the brand to, you know, make an announcement. We place them on our website. So everything certified is on our website. And um, if you want to purchase it, you can go to, uh, to, you know, click through to find that product and, and make a purchase. That's not done through us, um, but oftentimes on the, you know, say the native website to the, the brand or the product and most people feel that if something is natural, it's going to be safe uh, or safer than something that's synthetic. Is this a good strategy? It can be. And I know that's really hard. By and large, a good rule of thumb is if it's natural and from the earth and um, simply produced, then Yes. What I think is complex is uh, as complex as the process that, you know, went to something. Um, you know, if you don't know how something was made, it, I encourage everyone to be an ingredient detective, like probe a little, be curious, like how did this thing come to be, you know, because with food, it's an, a really easy thing to explain. So I'll start there. A carrot is just a carrot, right? There's no carrot ingredient list because it was just a carrot. Now, what we know about carrots is it could be homegrown, it could be organically grown and harvested, or it could be conventionally, as we like to say, produced. Um, and if it's conventionally produced, it can have any kind of chemical sprays, you know, pesticides and all kinds of treatments done to it. So we might prefer the organic or homegrown non-sprayed um, carrot to the conventional, but essentially that's it. With a carrot, that's the carrot, right? Well, with, with clothing, with uh, products for our skin, for our homes, like it starts to be more complicated because there are so many different pieces and parts, but it's really helpful to think about because the fewer ingredients, the fewer things you have to go through this process and ask what was done to that. But that's what you kind of have to know really to do this, um, you know, and, and make certain judgment calls, if you will, on your own. And that's what made safe was part of what it's designed to, to solve or resolve for people, right? Is like, who has time for that? I didn't want to have to have a PhD in toxicology to understand whether or not ingredients were going to be harmful. And the truth was, I couldn't, even if I wanted to, understand fully what had been done to something because I didn't have access to the brands to get the information that I wanted, to get down to a level of granularity, to know provenance and sourcing and 
processes that were done to things. And MainSafe works under NDA with companies. They comply by choice, not because they have to, but because they want to, because they buy into this concept of changing the paradigm of chemicals first, consequences second, and they want to change how products are made and they're doing it. They're walking the walk and walking the talk um, and really putting their money where their mouth is in that regard and making products that won't harm humans or the ecosystem. And they stand as, you know, the the best product out there um, in my mind, because they've got an independent scientific third party who's gone through their process and looked how things were made very, very deeply. And that's the benefit to the consumer of being able to see that and be able to say, oh, okay, this one's, you know, out of all my choices, this is a really good one. This is where I want to put my money because I'm also buying by my values and getting to share with Wall Street and Main Street what that is. And essentially in a capitalist society, that is the biggest lever we have to work with to create change. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan here with Amy Ziff, founder and executive director of Made Safe. Household products are an important area of concern because they may contain toxic chemicals. These products include things like towels, sheets, uh, mattresses, pillows on your bed, the products you use to clean your house or wash your child's hair. All these are things we use every day and things with which we have very close contact. That's why it's important that they be free of any harmful substances. You know, in mattresses, I'm really passionate about the sleeping area for people because when your body's at rest, that is when your body performs the function of um, rejuvenation, restoration, and detoxification. And what that basically, you know, means is that at night, your body's doing that important work to get chemicals that I talked about out of your body. Um, and if you are sleeping in an environment that's filled with harmful chemicals, it can make that process harder for your body. Kind of like, don't go to bed on a full stomach because then your body's digesting when it should be resting. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Anyway, um, so not sleeping on a bed of synthetic materials that are what's known as off-gassing chemicals is a great place to begin. So I talk a lot to people um, about creating, you know, a healthy sleep environment. And there's a lot of information on madesafe.org to, to um, follow that up if you're interested in learning more about that. Um, then the things that we put on our bodies, on our skin, you know, your skin is your body's largest organ. Um, we absorb as much as 60% of what goes on to our skin. So I don't want to give that a free pass. I want to take a look at the things that I'm using and make sure they aren't going to be, you know, harmful. I don't want to give my body more work to do. Um, and it turns out that many of these chemicals are in our stuff to make them cheaper. 
So you don't necessarily need them from a performance perspective. Uh, and so I look for using simpler, fewer products um, that are efficacious. Many products, including soaps, shampoos, dishwashing and laundry soaps, candles, face creams, makeup, and more, add fragrance to give the product a distinctive scent. But there's no telling what the ingredients are that hide behind the term fragrance. Yeah, so scent is um, perfume, parfum, aroma, scent, um, natural scents, natural fragrance, all these terms um, are essentially, you know, assigned to anything that, that um, you know, has a, has a bouquet, has a scent to it. And the issue is really from the fact that it is very, um, let me say it this way, scent is a very prized experience for a product to have either a signature scent um, or really any scent at all that is pleasing. Um, it connects to all kinds of nodes in our brain and uh, alights like a positive response. It also locks in memory and um, it, it has been something that has been worked on by scientists at big companies um, and become marked as something for trade secrets. And the problem with trade secret is that uh, then you don't have to tell anyone what you're putting in it. And the real problem with not telling us what you're putting in something and hiding behind this term of fragrance, which allows for trade secrets, is that maybe you're putting something in there for scent and maybe you're not. Maybe it's something else. I will never know. And what we do know is that fragrance can contain hundreds, if not a thousand different chemicals and none get listed on packaging. So if I have an allergy, I can't even figure out if there's something I'm going to be allergic to. That's a problem to me. The other is just that there are all kinds of chemicals associated with harm that can go into fragrance. Number one is something called phthalates and phthalates are a plasticizing chemical. And you might think, why do I have a plasticizing chemical in a fragrance. I'm, I'm sure I'm not using anything with that. Well, I got to tell you, if you're using perfume or conventional laundry soap or conventional dish soap, you are using thing that things that could potentially have phthalates and most likely do um, because they help those smells linger and they help them last longer and they are performance chemistries and they have known harms associated with them. Uh, and that's problematic. So for me, the issue with fragrance is that we don't know what we can't read about, see, and decide for ourselves. And I think that's a game that industry plays kind of happily. Uh, and it made safe, you know, if you're going to use fragrance, you have to disclose it, you have to be transparent, and you have to be able to pass the ecosystem approach of screening to ensure that that fragrance won't harm anyone. So uh, moving on to fabrics, 
I've been noticing that a lot of things now seem to be made with microfiber. Um, can you? Uh, is there any problem with that? What What is microfiber? I hate microfiber. Uh, it's such a pet peeve of mine because um, it's plastic. It's plastic, so it sheds micro and nanoparticles of plastics. And um, some people like the way they they clean and will collect, you know, uh, dust and dirt. But um, but they're problematic, and so it encouraged people to use a reusable cloth instead, which is you know what I use um, to try and stop using as many paper towels and you know things like that but also uh if i want to do a, a quick um clean up of the floor or something that i can just use a damp towel and collect all the dirt and then wash it and reuse it again uh and then what about preservatives seems like preservatives are in virtually everything <laughs> that's processed yes so preservatives come alongside of products that we want to have last forever um, or at least a couple of years shelf life. And so, you know, any product with water is going to then need a preservative to make sure that it doesn't grow mold or bacteria. Um, and so preservatives can be a necessary evil, um, but there are a couple of things. Preservatives, many of them are quite harsh, not just for um, humans, but they can have ambient issues and then can be really harsh to aquatic life and other kind of, you know, organisms. Um, there are quaternary uh, compounds, quaternary ammonium compounds that are known as QACs or quacks, and they have a whole host of health harms and are really an emerging uh, chemical contaminant issue and are oftentimes used in preservation systems um, and there are you know parabens was in uh, an older form of um, preservative that was used and sort of went out of vogue as people found out about them and then started looking at them and they were associated with all kinds of human toxicity uh, but the problem is those chemicals went to market and they were used for years if not decades before the research from external sources, external bodies caught up with it to say, hey, these are harmful. So now we have people saying that about some other preservatives. And I think, you know, that's pointing to the issue that we have with how we just allow, you know, chemicals to be put before people. Um, and we have to change that. But preservatives is, some of them are fine. I think, and some of them aren't, and we look very carefully at that at Made Safe. But if you are listening to this and thinking, oh my God, what do I do? Uh, the answer is try and reduce your use of them. They're in your food, they're in your products. If you can shift to from a you know laundry detergent that is liquid to a powder, now you don't need the preservatives. So you can start to trade off of things like that. If you are buying food that has a, you know, many year shelf life, look at how many preservatives are in there and maybe think of if there's something that might be perishable, but you use it and use it up and doesn't require as much preservation or look at something fermented as using a more natural 
mechanism of preservation instead of a you know chemical. Those are ways of you know kind of getting getting around that. It's not unusual to feel alarmed and overwhelmed when considering the challenges we face in selecting simple things like a soap that doesn't contain ingredients that are harmful. Think of it this way. By listening to this program, you've empowered yourself with knowledge you can put to use the next time you shop for household goods. Knowledge is the first step and... Uh, the big thing is it doesn't it, it doesn't matter the specific chemical as much as it is an effort to say, I understand that there are chemicals in my environment that I may not even know are here. How can I, um, how can I do better for my, myself, my family and the world by buying safer? And the answer to that is one, you know, use made safe as a tool because it's free and it's a really great one to help you um, make low-tox choices, make, you know, made safe certified choices and support brands that are really about a safe and sustainable future. That's one. That's so easy. The other is just in this conversation, we're creating awareness for people to say, huh, how are the things that I'm using, you know, made? I didn't even know I could think about that. Um, if people want to take a step into this, I say to everyone, go fragrance-free. That's a really easy way to eliminate a host of chemicals that you have no control over otherwise. And if you miss fragrance and want to add stuff back, make sure those are things that are made safe certified because that gives you a real level of measurement of what is safe. <clears throat> in terms of the smell and scent arena, because somebody has really, really vetted that. Um, the other is eliminate plastic everywhere you can in your home and in your life. Never heat food in it, never cook with it. Um, certainly try to eliminate plastic, you know, wrapping in your food and all of that. Um, but eliminate it every place you can. Once you start to pay attention to that, you realize how it has permeated your, you know, daily life. And that's another really big opportunity for people to remove chemicals. And then if you're gonna buy a big ticket thing, like let's say you are about to buy a mattress or a bed, um, consult made safe, get a non-toxic one. Cause those are, you know, moments where you're really spending money and you can have that option to make a better choice. If you're about to buy a rug, make sure it's one from natural materials. Um, don't get the stain retarding, you know, products. They are perfluorinated um, and they're, they've been studied and it turns out they don't stay put. So those end up in your house and household dust and all of that. Amy Ziff has two other suggestions, simple things you can do to cut down your exposure to toxins in our environment. One is to open your windows and let the air circulate. That can draw out VOCs, or volatile organic compounds, found in many household goods like furniture, cabinets, and carpeting. And take off your shoes when you enter your house or apartment. 
That limits the possibility of bringing in toxins from the street. That's all for now. This has been Mothering Earth on Made Safe. Thanks so much to our guest, Amy Ziff, with Made Safe, and thanks so much to you for listening. Mothering Earth is also on Instagram at mothering underscore earth, on Facebook at Mothering Earth Pod, and our website is mothering-earth.com. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. The views and opinions expressed on Mothering Earth do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of this station.